This week's episode is a conversation I had with Justin Tenkate of Mezzo Effects about a month ago and meant to have it as a bonus episode, but mixing and recording schedules kind of got in the way of that, and with this being the week of Thanksgiving, figure day, just throw this out there. So, uh, since that was a month ago, head over to mzoeffects.com and order the version 2 ohm from Justin. It really is a fantastic pedal. Also, remember the Indiegogo is still going on for my trip to Nam. You can see that in the show notes. Here's the episode. This is Cody Fields from Westminster Effects. With my pastor, an internet stranger, and the occasional special guest, we at the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast are brought together by an excitement for worship, an unflappable passion for theology, and general nerdiness for all things church. You're like, oh, you're down with the evangelical hymns. Over and over again, he would ask them, have you not read? Having that, that healthy faith life that's rooted in scripture are you trying to point people toward jesus if it's hip (laughs) if it's hype if it's cool if it's trendy just put me on that wave baby we explore the substance of worship and church leadership while standing firm on the foundation of scripture and basking in the light of the gospel we'd love to have you join us for the doxology podcast brought to you by westminster effects new episodes released every week and available on itunes spotify or your favorite podcast catcher Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. You can check us out and give us your money in exchange for goods at westminstereffects.com. And make sure you join the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. Also, you can support us on Anchor and help keep this show going. Uh, Today, we have a bonus episode of sorts uh, with one worship leader and fellow pedal builder. So welcome to the show, Justin Tengate. Thanks, Cody. Appreciate it. So let's just uh, start with, hey, who are you and why should we or why should we not care? <laughs> oh, my mercy. Well, uh, to start with, um, I mean, my bona fides start with I'm a, um, I'm a child of God. Uh, I'm a worship pastor. Um, that's what I do, but, um, I'm a daddy and, uh, um, I just, I love the Lord and I love what he's doing, uh, in the local church body and across the world. Um, I do so many things. I don't know that we have enough time, but, um, mostly I just, uh, I worship the Lord and I help others to get there. Awesome. And where are you? Uh, you said you're a worship pastor, so on staff, correct? That is, that's your, that's your full-time thing. So where are you a worship pastor? At Grace Point Evangelical Free Church in Adrian, Michigan. It's a little farming community that thinks it's a lot bigger than it is. That's, uh, that's, that sounds familiar to uh, to the area I'm in, uh, where the Greenville, South Carolina area has grown significantly in the last 20, 25 years. But at the same time, like we're still not all that big, but we like to act like we're big. 
So I, I, yeah, I definitely we got free colleges here, so they uh, I guess they have some some reason to think we're big, but <laughs> right. I mean, if if you got a trifecta of colleges, it's just game over. Um, so tell yeah. us about tell us about your church. What's what's the culture like? Uh, what exactly do you do you do, and how do you do it? Do you have a, a larger team, smaller team, whatever? Oh my mercy. Um, well, our church is a it's an evangelical free church, which is uh, kind of a unique. Uh, thing. We have 12 distinctives, which are typical um, orthodoxy, and then uh, we hold everything else in tension and we discuss it. Um, so um, I would say our church, our pastor is from Dallas Theological Seminary. Um, mm-hmm. We have a strong culture of um, uh, Moody Bible Institute in our church since it's close. Um, but for us, the, the word is really central in everything that we do and everything that we preach and everything, uh, every ministry that we have, um, we need to be able to justify it by going directly to the word and letting the word, word speak to us, not reading into it. So that's kind of our passion at Grace Point. We love to connect people with each other and with the Lord. Um, what I do is um, I like to say I encourage people to reflect uh, the creator, Pot Potter, um, we are God's creation. Uh, we respond to his creation by worshiping him. Um, and, um, you know, we do that in several different ways. Uh, musically, we do that uh, with a choir, um, which is just the love of my life, our worship choir. And uh, worship teams and uh, praise band, that kind of rhythm section feel. Um, I would say the really big defining thing for us is um, we look at worship, uh, musical worship in particular, as a um, as a palette. And God has given us so many skills and so many talents, and we want to just take all those colors and we want to mix them and use them to create um, beautiful art. Um, so there will be Sundays that we have a small instrumental ensemble with violin and cello and flugelhorn and French horn and oh, wow. uh, and a rock band. Um, you know, and, and a worship choir. And other weeks we'll strip it down and we'll do like a cajon and a couple of acoustics. So um, really we want to uh, we want to use all of the gifts that God's given us to bring him glory and to, and to encourage his people. Yeah, I like, I really like that approach where it's like, hey, whatever fits the, the, that particular Sunday, right? Yeah, and, um, and whatever fits our people too. Like God doesn't bring us people to let them sit in seats and let them, let them let their uh, talents and gifts rot. Um, you know, it's it's hard to fit a French horn into a uh, worship service where you have a rock band up front. Um, but you know what? God gave us a French hornist. And uh, so we purchase music and we arrange things so that it works. And it's just an added element um, to the to the service. So uh, not, not a lot of churches have choirs anymore when they're doing a so-called contemporary thing. Well, God has called us to have a choir, and so we're leading worship with our choir rather than just having them stand up in robes and perform. Um, you know, it's, it's a really creative thing. When God gives you resources, you use them for his glory, and they may not look like anywhere else, but that's okay because God called us into this body. So we're going to serve him uh, faithfully here. Right. It's it's not just this uh, nebulous amalgam that, you know, it's like— you kind of have this uh, template in most uh, modern style churches, we'll say, of, you know, you got a couple of guitars and a bass and drums and keys. That's it. Yep. And there's there's yep. no there's no deviating from that. Mm-hmm. 
So how uh, how big is your church to uh, to pack all that talent onto one Sunday? So here's the crazy thing about our church: we're not we're not super big. Uh, we're about 500 people, mm-hmm. um, and of those 500 people, we have uh, close to 100 of them serving in the worship ministry in some way. Wow. Um, yeah, it's it's a really cool thing. Um, now I I found that, and I've served in several different places, but I've found that when you open the door to use people's gifting, um, God really honors that, and not only brings you people with different gifting, but it opens the door for people that, let's say, played an instrument through high school, um, which is let's let's face it, that's about half of us, right? Sure. And if we played an instrument through high school, we often aren't able to use that in a setting. That doesn't require a, a, a you know a year's worth of rehearsal for one concert um, as adults. And so, as a church, if we can if we can open the door to use those dormant gifts, um, God can really do cool, cool stuff with them. Uh, we had uh, this last sun this last um, Easter. I'm sorry. Um, up on our platform, we had about 50 people. Um, now. That might not sound like a lot, except um, our platform is very small church. Um, so it was literally the entire platform was filled <laughs> with choir, and we had uh, 35 um, kids sing in the um, uh, kids' choir to kick off the service. And we had two electrics, and we had a bass player, and a cellist, and a violinist, and a French hornist, and um, four vocalists, so we could sing in four part on uh, on um, on mic and we had a keyboardist and we had a pianist and it was just this beautiful big expression of worship to God. Um, now, you know, of course, not it's not only the big expression that honors God and brings Him glory, but it's also the smaller things. So we like to we like to bring it all. You know, um, God's given us people with gifts. Let's use them. So, what are um, some of the challenges? In, in regards to organizing all of that, I'm sure planning center could be a, a nightmare if you're using that. Uh, but even just getting a hold of everybody and and yeah. at the, at the same time, if you've if you've got a 50 person choir, one person not showing up isn't as big of a deal uh, as one of your two electric uh, players. But at the same time, uh, that's still a a pretty big task to organize all that. Yeah, so um, we do it a couple different ways. We do use Planning Center, of course, um, but uh, oftentimes churches of our size will have teams, which kind of build camaraderie between people. Mm-hmm. Um, but what that means is if you have one or two people off of a team that can't make it, um, you really have got to um, make some serious adjustments. Rather than doing teams, we rotate players. So uh, someone will, let's say, our um, our one of our electric players also plays Cajon for us. So he mm-hmm. loves to serve, and he would serve all the time. And his wife is also a phenomenal vocalist. Um, and so he will often serve with her, but will often serve on an off week as well to fill in for somebody. So he's got a he's got more of a, um, uh, a desire to serve and an ability to serve than some of our other uh, members who we have one person who's in transition between uh, homes and jobs. And he can only serve once every six weeks. And so we build the team and we build the service around the people that we have that week. Um, so it, it starts with the word. Um, I'm in the word. I'm thinking about this is what this is what our pastor is going to preach uh, this week. 
these, this, these are some things that I can draw from uh, the scriptures. Uh, this is the team I have, and then I'll build a service from there. Awesome. So uh, how far out uh, do you typically schedule those? Um, I schedule by quarter. Um, so I, I will be three months in advance uh, for the scheduling portion. Um, now, of course, there are always last second declines and people get sick and things come up. Um, so I'm always dealing with that usually on a Thursday or a Friday, but um, typically we've got a pretty good idea of what's going on about two months out. Mm -hmm. um, as far as services are concerned, we schedule the, the music um, three weeks out and then um, I just, I adore uh, the pastoral staff that we have here at Grace Point. Um, our lead pastor will meet or um, our uh, administrative pastor will meet, depending on who's preaching that week, on Thursday morning. Um, we'll go over the service together. We'll not only talk about these, um, we'll not only talk about, you know, what songs we're doing and what order we're doing them in, but also we'll talk about the content of the sermon. Um, mm -hmm. Because again, the point of all of this is is the word, right? That's how we know the Lord. We know him through his word as he's revealed himself to us. Um, so we go over, you know, this is what I'm preaching on. Does the music fit? Um, if it doesn't fit directly, how can we tie it in? How can we use verbal transitions to um, help people think in the direction of the word and where we're going? And on occasion, we'll have to change a song. Uh, this typically happens uh, for our closing song. We have a time of response at the end um, to, um, to to better fit where the where the, the pastor is going to land the plane, so to speak. But that's that's pretty unusual, and it's usually something that we know. Yeah, that uh, that definitely drives me crazy when we end up having to change songs on the fly, <laughs> which we've we've yeah, gotten well, a lot that, uh, we've gotten a lot better at it. Um, yeah, but that rarely as, happens on the fly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As a caveat, it's rare for you, right? So, um, yeah, what, about about, uh, what about rehearsals? What about rehearsals? Are you just showing up on Sunday mornings and going for it, or are, do you have like a midweek rehearsal? Oh, absolutely. We show up and we improv every. No, no, we don't. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the music is typically available in Planning Center. We have sheet music for every instrument. Um, we purchase that uh, with Lifeway Worship and praise charts. And on occasion, um, we use Sovereign Grace things and have to do some arranging. Um, that is available three weeks in advance. If we have a new song, I'll send out an email three weeks in advance. Hey, guys new song, make sure you work on your parts, electric, know your electric part. Um, and then we meet on Thursday evenings. We have an hour and a half of choir rehearsal, and then we have an hour and a half of worship team rehearsal. And then Sunday mornings, we um, typically, our first service is, well, our first service is always 9 o'clock, but um, typically we'll show up, we'll do a sound check at 7.30, and that gives us a chance to touch on a couple things that we're, we were still struggling with on Thursday. Um, if uh, if we are unable to have a Thursday rehearsal, um, say, you know, a big portion of the team is out sick or we have a big, uh, like I have daughters in, in choir so at, at school, so if I can't make a rehearsal, we'll take that off and we'll show up at 7 o'clock. So we'll first sound check and then we'll run through a, uh, an abbreviated rehearsal. But the big thing is we've had the music for three weeks. We've been working on it for three weeks. So we know the music. We've practiced by the time we show up to rehearse together. Right. That's the fact that you're kind of harping on 
hey, we've had this. I mean, that's that's pretty big. <laughs> there's so many, yeah, uh, yeah. There's so many church musicians that show up and they haven't even listened to the music, much less actually sat down with it and said, hey, what are my parts again? And uh, oh, yeah. you know, so, so they're not, you know, playing like a raging plexi tone on a down bridge, you know? <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, dude, I want to hear, I want to hear that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, if, if I if I could tell you a story real quick, um, I'm your I'm your typical super creative everywhere all over the place um, musician, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a mentor who was a doctoral level um, conducting um, professor, and uh, he just a wonderful guy. Uh, his name is Dr. Joe Kreider. He heads up the um, the worship portion of Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is just an amazing guy. And um, so I show up uh, at his church. I'm interning at his church. And we, we'd gone through a few rehearsals, and I was doing some orchestrating for them, and I was doing some um, singing on the praise team, that kind of thing, rehearsing the, the worship team. And um, there was one Sunday where... Um, I was getting our kids ready. We had three kids at the time, and it was an hour and a half away. So I got out. I'm getting the kids ready, and I'm, I'm looking at the clock, and, man, I'm really rushing. And so I just speed it out of my mind to get there, and I get there, and it's two minutes behind. I'm walking in. I'm like, okay, I'm only two minutes late. No big deal. He um, wasn't happy. <laughs> and in <laughs> a, a, a break in between, he, uh, he said to me, he said, um, so you want to tell me what was going on earlier? You know, at that time I was like, well, what do you mean? He said, you know, why, why did you come in late? And, and this is a guy that's just full of grace, you know? And, and I said, well, you know, I, we had a, a dirty diaper and, and I just kind of started listing off all of these things. And he said to me, Justin, he said, you want to be a worship leader as a leader. Uh, when you walk in, your people are waiting for you. How many people do you think were here today? And I said, well, you know, orchestra had about 40, choir had about 100, 150. But yeah, you know, ballpark around around 200. He said, so you show up two minutes late. I said, yeah. He said, you wasted 400 minutes of their time. <laughs> I will never forget it. And um, there have been times where, you know, it's been necessary uh, to be late. Uh, this last winter, the roads were awful. And uh, I wasn't used to driving in snow. We hadn't had snow here in in Michigan in a couple of years, and I just moved up from Florida. So, um, oh, so of course you don't. Of course you don't know how to drive in snow. No, I grew up. I grew up in Michigan, but you know it, it had been a while. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, and I showed up a few minutes late, and I thought walking in the door, you know what? I just wasted forty-five minutes of everyone's time. And um, you know, having that idea of preparation and being at at rehearsal. Uh, fully practiced. We we make that differentiation. Practice is something you do on your own. Rehearsal is something you do on do together. So you practice to prepare to rehearse. Um, when I showed up, I, I had really let everybody down. So um, that idea that we we come in prepared so that we're not wasting each other's time to love each other in that way is such a fundamental part of our ministry. I really like how you phrase that is it's ultimately out of love for neighbor, right? It's not just, it's not just, I have to get this stuff done. It's I actually care about these people and I want all of this to work together for their good. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. And, you know, how, how disrespectful is it to someone who has um, a job and they've got four kids and they're chasing around all week in sports and they've prepared, but the, a single guy will show up unprepared. How disrespectful is it to that person to say, you know, I didn't have time to practice? Right. How you had time, you just didn't utilize it. <laughs> yeah, how unloving is that? Um, and so I would honestly prefer if someone is, is not practiced to call me and say, I can't do this week, rather than to show up. And because it's, it's very, it, it can be very upsetting to someone who's um, who spent a lot of time preparing when really they didn't have the time. Um, mm-hmm. And if you hear someone else say that they didn't have the time. Oh, yeah. So let's pivot a little bit before we get into the pedal building. Uh, what what musical influences uh, do you credit with with kind of where you are right now as a worship pastor? And it can be it can be worship bands or it can be Scandinavian death metal bands even like that would be a little it, weird to take into worship leading. But if you know, you do you. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. Um, I grew up in a church. I grew up in a church where um, you knew what you were singing because the numbers were on the wall. Um, I grew up in a church where we were saying only hymns. Yeah. Um, and, and when we um, when we moved away from that, we moved to the transparencies in in the mid '90s because we were so cutting edge. I mean, that, um, was, that doing... was a big deal too. Oh man, and it was like it was like you tore the organ out of the church. I mean, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> But the thing is, like, to me, the things that we started to sing were um, were like the pendulum swinging too far in the other direction. They were, um, alleluia, alleluia, 700 times, alleluia, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was, we had sung hymns that declared things about God, and we started to sing songs that just repeated things um, because we had not experienced personal worship in such a long time. We just, uh, we sang things about God, but we didn't sing much to God. Um, so that to me was, it was too far. Uh, what revolutionized uh, my view of worship um, in 2003 or four, I believe, um, I, I had been out of the church wandering for a while, came back and volunteered to sing and play guitar in the worship team because it, it was such a part of me. Um, and I, I had no business leading, but I, I wanted to join the team. And I had the uh, privilege of introducing how great is our God. And this which, was which, which was also cutting edge back then. Yeah, I mean that it was like wow. And uh, of course, because it was Tomlin, sing it in C. Um, and it was you know I'm I'm a bass. I don't know if you can tell from my voice, but I'm a, I'm a I'm a low bass. So for me, that was a real challenge. But to sing those truths again but do it in a way that was kind of in my my cultural language uh, my musical language was was um it took me from a place of just saying things about god um saying god is great and just kind of stating it how great that was you know and and this is not in my my idiom to singing to god uh about his greatness, about how he wraps himself in light, you know, from the Psalms. Um, just, just totally uh, changed my perspective. This was no longer churchianity. This was no longer Sunday morning stuff. This was something I took with me out into the streets. And it, it, it really brought to life uh, the passage in, in, in Romans where my, my whole life is a sacrifice, right? My, my right. obedience, 
my living is a sacrifice. It's, it's not just when I get together in the temple to bring my offering. It's um, I, I took that expression of praise out into the streets with me. So um, to me, like that was kind of my start of the, the worship journey for me was back in 2003. And that's when I really started to feel called to lead worship um, in, a, in a vocational sense um, where I've been singing in front of people and singing worship uh, in front of people since I've been four years old. Um, I'm, I'm a little older than that now, but, um, you know, in, in, yeah, yeah. So to actually live worship, that was kind of my, my breaking point. Um, now musically, um, as a kid, my favorite thing used to be to uh, grab a cup of hot cocoa on a cold Michigan afternoon, sit in front of the console record player and listen to Beethoven. Um, oh. I was I was that kind of nerd. Um, hashtag nerd alert. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, when it came to like listening to things for fun, um, I would listen to I listened to a lot of jazz. Um, I listened to um, West Montgomery. Love West Montgomery. Uh, my I actually got to take uh, guitar lessons from my my guitar hero Vince Lewis. He's a tremendous uh, jazz guitarist. But um, like to, for just kind of fun going around stuff. Uh, I loved Jars of Clay uh, for a long time. Uh, Jimmy Eat World is like in my bloodstream. Uh, oh yeah. You know, um, so so for me to, to kind of marry those two ideas, that complexity, the rich complexity of jazz and uh, classical music with the accessibility of something like a, like a, well, Jars of Clay is probably a little bit less accessible now, but um, something like a, um, like a Jimmy Eat World, right? Um, mm -hmm. to, to kind of marry those ideas together, that to me is kind of a picture of, um, at least in a smaller Western sense of what heaven is going to be like. Like God has created, um, God has given us these skills and the ability and allowed us to create these wildly divergent forms of, of music and allowed us to worship him in, in all of it. Yeah, like I'm a, I'm a mid-2000s emo and pop punk kid at heart. Yeah, and, yeah. But but at the same time, I can listen to, you know, some pretty extreme forms of metal. But uh -huh. I can also I can also kick back and listen to the Star Wars or Skyrim soundtracks, you know. Oh, there we go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with, with the orchestral stuff. Yeah, that, that's a really good point where, you know, with the with the pop punk thing. Like that is a very accessible form of music. It's very easy to right. create for the most part. Sure. Uh, you you don't need a whole lot of talent, uh, but then you know you start progressing a little bit in in your skill set, and then all of a sudden you're you know you're playing like math metal <laughs> stuff yeah, like yeah. animals as leaders on eight string guitars, and yeah, uh, but you know it's it's still it's still a heavier form of music. It just happens to be more complex uh, significantly. Yeah. So if you're, if you're comparing animals as leaders to something like blink 182. Um, right. So, so yeah, that's, um, that's, that's a great thought. Metal really spoke to me a lot when I was, when I was younger. Um, and it was, it wasn't just, you know, the, the rage and crunchiness of it, but it was taking, it was taking the, um, Kind of the classical theory and putting it in uh putting it in into more modern instrumentation and i really enjoyed um now we didn't have such cool things as math metal back then we just had we had <laughs> metal that, you know yeah but i, I mean, love listening to like, tourniquet and um uh oh gosh well tourniquet was probably my favorite um you know it's 
to me, like the accessibility of pop punk is is awesome and it's super catchy. And when we go back to it, we remember things that go along with it. I yep. want to leave people from from um, from a moment of worship, from those moments that we create on Sunday morning. I want them to be able to go back and visit those and have those memories of how you know this is really when when I, I intellectually know that God is present, but this is when I I really connected with my emotions were stirred. It, to connect with that reality. Um, mm-hmm. And I want them to be able to remember that when a simple melody comes back, but I also um, want to challenge uh, on, our, on our Sunday morning times of worship in our gathering, I want to challenge our folks that are, um, we've, got a, we've got a fellow in our church who's, um, he's a, he, he leads a ministry, but he has a, uh, a I believe, I might, I might get this wrong, but I believe he has a, a degree, a master's degree, Hold on, hold on. Fozzie, Fozzie, that's enough. Hey, John, edit out the next 30 seconds while I get the dogs out of my room. And to the listeners, this is what happens when I record at my house (laughs) and my dog hangs out with me and then he thinks he sees something in the backyard, even though he can't see out the window, uh, (laughs) etc. So, yeah, anyway, um, but yeah, absolutely. Like uh, music in general has such a way of saying things. Uh, even yeah. theologically rich things, and you can even get some theologically complex concepts, you know, stuff like the hypostatic union and delving into stuff like that. Um, going to yeah, yeah, you can delve into the Trinity, you can delve into soteriology, or even eschatology, um, you know, especially if you want to start uh, just singing, uh, instead of singing psalms, you can sing the Left Behind books, right? Um, <laughs> oh no! Stop! No! No! My ears. <laughs> but but you can you can put those those truths to music. Each truths and yeah. within a couple lines, you can essentially summarize an entire doctrine, which is really cool. And uh, yeah, there's there's definitely memories tied to songs, whether it's worship or pop punk. Um, well, so even, yeah, let's. It's even it's even more than that though, Cody, because uh, oh, yeah. when we when we when we and, and maybe this is too deep into the weeds for a podcast. I'll try to keep it short. But when we when we when we lead worship, have, have you listened? Have you listened to any of our podcasts? We get into the weeds. I have, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> like you keep it short, so this is bonus, right? Right. Um, when we when we play music, when we lead our people in music, what we choose to lead and how we choose to play teaches our people about God. For instance. Um, let me give you, uh, we do, if we do Beethoven's Night, right? Beethoven's Night teaches us that God is great, God is lofty, God is high, and he is worthy of the most excellent praise, right? Something like how great is our God teaches us that God is accessible mm. musically. Okay, so when, when we come together on Sunday, and this is one of the reasons we use so many different varieties of things, right? Because God's nature is so multi, multifaceted. Right. Um, God is the greatest great. So we are um, we're trying to express to people God's majesty, but also God's imminence. Um, 
So when we sing something like, oh man, this is one of our very favorites. When we sing something like, behold our God, big pounding piano melody, right? And we've got a lot of really complex harmony that we've kind of written into it. it um, the the uh, orchestration available um, at uh, Sovereign Grace is four part, but we kind of, we improv some other stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we do that with a big orchestra and we're singing, um, behold our God seated on the throne, come let us adore him, right? That's the loftiness and greatness of our God, not only in the words that we're singing, but also in the music that we're playing. Versus right. something like um, uh, one of my one of my new favorites from Vertical Worship called the Yes I Will, and it's just an anthem that says, you know, it, it's just a, a, a simple expression of I will worship God in the lowest valley. I'll lift Him up, basically, right? And in the the verse repeats. It's a very simple uh, melody. It's a very simple. It's a very simple quarterly. There are four song, four chords in the whole song, and that teaches us that God is accessible. And the words of the song are saying that God is accessible, and I will lift him high in the lowest valley. So to me, like, to take something like, yes, I will, and turn it into a big orchestral number, is we're, we're sending a confusing message to our people. We're sending a <laughs> yeah. message that, that this great, lofty, high God, um, and then we're singing about how accessible he is. So in, if you contextualize it, it works. Um, but it can be difficult for some people to grasp different different uh, aspects of leading worship. Um, our piano player with a master's degree, for instance, the simple music drives him crazy. He has such a hard time um, bringing his mind down to the simplicity of yes, I will, because um, he does what I do and what most people who studied music um, in college do is we can't turn our analyzer off. Right, we're still doing right. takedown when we're when we're worshiping. So he's like, okay, there's that chord again. It's been here six times in the same verse. Um, so for him, like he has to not switch that part off, but turn that turn that um, analyzing into um, to God's glory as well. Right. Um, right. So when you don't you don't turn your mind off, you don't turn your mind off. You just focus it. Yeah, yeah. He he turns that aspect of his mind to, to worship. Um, it's so, uh, there, there's a, there's a tendency in modern worship to say, um, feel and not think, right. Um, we don't worship a God who's beyond our thoughts. We worship a God who's revealed himself and a God who has revealed himself in a reasonable way. Um, so if we, if we sing songs, if we arrange things in a way that's thoughtless, we reflect a thoughtless God. The God we serve is not thoughtless. The God we serve is thought has, has expressed himself to us um, in a way that we can understand him, in a way that we can discern more and more about him the more that we think about him, the more that he reveals himself to us, right? So mm-hmm. we, don't, we don't serve a robot, but we serve a God whose um, passions are ruled by his reason. Um, so to set God up as a purely emotional being is to worship an idol. So this is, it's, it's very important for us to carefully consider every aspect, not just the lyrics, but also the music. Absolutely. So let's talk, uh, let's talk pedals. Tell us about your pedal line, because I have a couple of them and they sound fantastic. Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. So um, I am am currently in uh, the prototype uh, phase of the Ohm version two. Uh, version one 
uh, was released a year ago, um, a little bit before it was ready. Um, and the reason was because we had a family in our church who got into a, a bad car accident, and I wanted to be able to help support them financially. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it did that. Um, that the OM was a result of um, four years of kind of developing um, developing a sound I could use without turning the pedal on and off uh, as I'm leading worship. Um, now, yeah, before can... we get too much farther, what's the name of your line? Because I never know oh, how to how to pronounce it. That's okay. Um, it's the uh, my my company is Meso Effects. Okay. Because um, I, I can't tell um, if it was like MZO or yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. There are all kinds of different ways. It comes from. It actually comes from my orchestra nerd side. If um, if you're writing yeah. a note on someone else's um, chart, let's say uh, I, I play trombone, right? So I was second chair trombone. If the first chair was not there, but I needed to make notes on some sheet music for him. Um, if you write MF, it can look uh, different ways. So you'd write MZOF uh, mm-hmm. to make it clear that it was mezzo forte, right? So mezzo effects kind of just came out of that orchestra nerdery. Um, and it's, uh, what's that? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the, you know the, the whole point of um, of Meso effects is to provide a, a high quality effect to worship leaders, so they can kind of get off of the um, the gear train. Um, you know, uh, when I first started playing electric, it was a lot of you know I like this sound. I wonder what that sound sounds like, and so I would lose a lot of money cycling through new pedals. Mm-hmm. So my idea with Meso effects is uh, to produce something that does a specific thing, does it well at the very top, uh, the most quality I can cram into a pedal, um, and do it uh, in, in, in a format that never needs to be replaced. So someone could conceivably put that on their board and have it for 100 years, um, use it to worship the Lord, use it to lead worship, use it to play great music, and um, never have to uh, say, you know, this is really inadequate. Um, yeah, so the ohm is kind of that American um, big fat sound. The blue is kind of that British shiny um, preamp distortion type sound. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I am right now. Uh, ohm version two should be coming out by November. I'm just finishing up prototyping and getting a bunch of stuff in here, but it's, um, it's been a way for me to really um, bless the body of Christ while I'm not at church. I've got folks all around the world who use the ohm. Um, so the ohm is being used to lead worship while I'm sleeping. And I think that is just the coolest thing in the world. Oh, yeah. So you've got, you know, your standard uh, knobs with the output, drive, and treble. Like everybody knows how those work. Oh yeah, uh, but but then you also have both on the blue and on the own. We have timber and texture. What does yeah. that even mean? Walk us through okay. that. Because when I when I first got the omen, I was just like, wait a minute, <laughs> I don't even I don't know what's going on here. It's like math metal, right? <laughs> right. Um, okay, so the um, the ohm uh, is through the drive section. It only and in the blue as well. It only clips half of the sine wave. Um, so that you can have as much clarity as you want um, and still have the crunch that you want at the same time. And, and think of it kind of um, the uh, Klon Sensor, half of the signal is clean and it's kind of a blend knob, the drive knob. This is yep. different than that. No matter how much drive you have, you'll always have some clean in it. Um, 
the tamper control um, takes the um, con ups the gain and multiplies the the actual gain of the pedal uh, gain referring to uh, amount of signal okay that's that's hitting the drive section, but it also does this really cool thing where it moves the um, it moves the frequency that you're uh, emphasizing from the lower mids to the upper mids. So you can get, you, you never lose any bass with the ohm, but you can get more of an emphasis on the upper mid frequency that we guitarists like to pop out of a mix with, right? Yep, yeah, a little bit um, of a cut there. Yeah, and so uh, since the drive is only clipping half of the sine wave, there's, there's times that we want to really um, get a crunchier tone. And remember, I, I wanted to not have to step on this thing. So the texture rolls in um, just very slightly asymmetrical, hard clipping um, on the signal um, that clips both the top and the bottom of the sine wave. Um, and it, what it does is it's kind of a, it's, it's almost a threshold control, but it also controls how soft the clipping is. Um, so what you can do is you can roll back on your guitar um, I usually play with my volume around six on my strap. Sure. I have almost a clean tone just on the edge of dirt. And as you roll up the volume, it really uh, it hits the texture clipping harder and harder so that more of your signal is clipped. So it's, think, you have to think of the ohm kind of like a uh, an amplifier. There's the pre-amplifier clipping, and then there's the power tube saturation. And right. uh, the texture is kind of the power tube, and the drive is kind of the preamp. And it does it does also because you know me being a pop punk kid at heart like I don't mess with yeah. with volume uh, knobs really at all right yeah, um, yeah. like I, I I max the thing out and let's go um, so sure. I, I I tend to rely on multiple pedals so it also stacks very well uh, including stacking well shameless plug for both of us it also stacks well with an Edwards oh, driver something of this sort yeah uh, yeah like it 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 handles other pedals just really nice whether it's in front or or as a second or third stage you know so that's that's one of the fun things about this is it's just so flexible you can do almost whatever you want with it right oh yeah you know i'll tell you the thing that i really love about the the new one the version two is um i i got some really good feedback from people my idea with the ohm was uh, look a lot of worship musicians have good amps. We've invested in good amps and good guitars, right? Because we want to we want to use the best of what we can afford to worship the Lord of Excellence. Um, I didn't buy a good amp because I thought it might sound good with pedals. I bought a good amp because I liked the way the amp sounded. Um, so I didn't want to cut anything out in the pedal. Uh, a lot of pedals will cut bass at the front. Um, the Tube Screamer is kind of a stereotypical example of this. Um, but what I found was a lot of the guys that were playing some of the bass-heavy black faces, the base of the pedal was overwhelming the, the front part. Mm -hmm. So the new ohm, the version two, there's a cut uh, control, and that cuts some of the bass out. Um, and so it still gives you kind of a truer tone, but it starts to cut the bass right at the low A string. So you're just not overwhelming the front side of that amp. And it also allows it to play better with other pedals. That's awesome. And as a as a uh, point of interest, we have the same guy who lays out our circuit boards. So that's right, Kyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So shout out to Kyle Daly. We annoy him so often. Oh, you don't even know. <laughs> oh, oh no, I know. I I hear stories, and I'm sure you hear stories about me all the time too. 
So like we, okay, we drive so this is, up a wall. <laughs> yeah, so this, is, this is probably a little little uh, nerdery, but um, a typical. Uh, so as your as your signal travels through uh, through a pedal, it goes through components called resistors and capacitors, and capacitors are really the thing that shapes the tone the most. Yeah, and um, he has he has complained about your capacitor choices to me oh, so many times. I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, in my in my new line, um, I I really wanted to not only um, not only keep things the same. Uh, you know, I, I always try to produce the top quality thing, right? So right. Um, I said, you know, we have a little room in here yet. Um, what I'd like to do is I'd like to put true audio grade. Um, capacitors in, which are enormous. Um, a, a regular capacitor is 2.5 by 6 millimeters, and my output capacitor for the Ohm version 2 is um, where it's 2.5 and a regular capacitor. This is um, 7.5 millimeters wide, oh and where it's typically 6 millimeters for a standard capacitor, this is 20.5. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So poor Kyle is trying to fit this on a regular old pedal PCD um, because, you know, high quality capacitors, you can still get them in that in that uh, smaller form. So there's nothing wrong with smaller ones. I just wanted to kind of go above and beyond. And, and sure. poor Kyle had to put up with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's one of the cool things about this industry, too, is. Uh, you know, like you've you've popped open the Calvin compressor, and I'm not using anything uh, all that in, insane in terms of compressors or uh, not compressors, uh, capacitors or resistors or any of that kind of thing. But it still sounds yeah. good. So yeah. there's there's give and take. Um, yeah, and there's give and take. There's you know, you know, guys that rely more on the schematic itself, like me. And then there's guys like you who are just total audiophile nerds <laughs> going, for these, you know? for, going for these enormous capacitors, and they both sound they both sound good. It just depends yeah. on on what kind of sounding good you're you're looking for. So, uh, exactly so yeah, right. yeah, so yeah, Justin, tell us, uh, tell the people where they can find your your goods, so they can go buy stuff if they happen to not want to buy Westminster effects because. I've annoyed them with this podcast too often. <laughs> well, I would say, but yes, both and um, buy lots of Westminster effects. Buy yes. all of the Westminster effects. <laughs> um, the thing is, um, I've tried to I've tried to position Metso effects in a place where it's not necessarily competing with other great effects. I try to um, put it in oh, a yeah. unique point um, so that you know it's going to really accent or augment what you already have. Um, rather than replace it. Um, I don't want right. people on that, that cycle of dependence with gear. I want people to get off of that cycle of dependence and pay attention to what really matters. And what really matters is worshiping the Lord. Um, right. I would say the number one uh, best place to find stuff, and this is where you're going to find all of my um, prototypes and one-offs and really cool things that only come out every once in a while, um, follow my Facebook page. Um, and that's just mzo.effects, Metso effects spelled out. Um, also Instagram, uh, also it's Metso effects. And then there's mzoeffects, no dot, uh, dot com. That's Metso effects.com. That's my web page. That's kind of where um, I put things that are in production and available. Now, very short explainer. I used a, um, I used just a phenomenal, absolutely peerless foot switch 
the DeMont soft touch foot switch, which is like heaven under your feet. It really um, is. It really is the best available oh, three PDT it's switch. Awesome. But it is um, a, a standard switch costs a dollar and this costs eight dollars. Okay, so um, I, I really went well out of my way to get this switch. The owner of the company, his workshop burned down last year. So I was unable to have switches for like six months. So once I sold out of stock, I was out of stock. Um, and uh, so I had to harass Kyle and we redesigned and developed a whole new <laughs> switching system um, that uses a soft touch switch so that I'm not so dependent on one uh, switch supplier. As great as it is and as great as um, Nate DeMont is, I mean, he's just solid gold. I just can't depend on only one switch. So right. um, and there's not any stock up on the website right now. And that's why you're kind of seeing the version one to version two is really because I was forced to. Um, but if you want a, uh, a MesoFX Ohm, version two is coming out within the next um, next six weeks. Awesome. Uh, it will be all over all of the social things. So you cannot miss it if you follow me on Facebook or, or Instagram. Very cool. Well, in that case, if you're actively writing and performing music and would like to be an official Westminster artist and even get your song played at end of, the end of one of these podcasts, but not this one, because I'm not going to do that, fill out our application at westminstereffects.com. Follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and leave a five-star review. And go check out MezzoFX at mezzoeffects.com. Thanks a lot for listening, and thank you, Justin, for uh, coming on to the Doctology Podcast. Yeah, it's totally my pleasure. Thank you.